everybody, and welcome to KB Talks, powered by the NKBA, the only podcast dedicated to sharing latest kitchen and bath industry insights to help grow and support your business. I'm Carl Champley, your podcast host, and today's episode is all about the market of wellness design. Wellness, it's a term that's often tossed around and is worth taking a deeper dive into, especially when it comes to the kitchen and bath industry. And very shortly, I'll be joined by Jamie Gold, a certified kitchen designer and a certified wellness coach, among other accolades. Now, before we get started, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, Samsung Appliances. At Samsung, we aren't just predicting the future, we're creating it. Inspired by chefs, the Samsung Chef Collection is built on three core pillars, design, technology, and performance. The recipient of four 2018 CES Innovation Honoree Awards, the Chef Collection features performance, precision, and design that is recognized across the globe. The Chef Collection lineup includes a 42-inch four-door flex built-in refrigerator, a 36-inch Pro Range, 36-inch induction cooktop, and a 30-inch microwave combination wall oven, all boasting smart features designed to suit any type of lifestyle, including Wi-Fi-enabled interior cameras, and advanced temperature control. Samsung's wider range of products feature multiple color and size options and ensure that the kitchen is designed exactly as the chef desires it. We crafted this collection with sophisticated capabilities for intuitive performance to elevate the modern kitchen experience. Welcome to the future of cooking. To discover more about the chef collection and learn more about our rewards program for certified designers, visit samsung.com. Okay, we are back and excited to get started. Jamie, I want to thank you so much for being here. Now, you have so many accomplishments that I couldn't list them all in the intro. So why don't we start off by having you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Carl. So I became a kitchen and bath designer about 15 years ago, and that was after a long career in media marketing communications and what do you do when you get your dream job in publishing management and realize that you absolutely cannot stand it? You change <laughs> careers, right? Right. So I grew up with parents who absolutely loved architecture and design. My, my dad was always doing things in the house for my mom, and I think that just definitely rubbed off on me. So I decided to become a kitchen and bath designer. And okay. once I made that decision, my first step was to take a three-day NKBA course to see if I liked it. And to see if I had any talent, and it went pretty well, I have to say. So, you're telling me you passed. Pardon? You're telling me you passed then. I passed, yes. Good. And and that actually helped in the long run because when I went to get my certifications, I was able to count that, you know, count that program. But flashing back a little bit, since I had that background in media and writing. I started to write about design for different publications once I knew a bit about what I was talking about. And that was about two years after I started as a designer. Since then, I would say I have um, written for numerous publications and just done a lot of things, including two books. I'm working on a third for Simon & Schuster uh, on wellness design. And I'm glad to be here to talk about the wellness market. Fantastic. But what actually inspired you to become active in the field of wellness design? 
Well, two things did. I would say even going back a decade when I got my uh, CAPS certification to become a certified aging in place specialist, that was motivated by wanting to see people of all ages uh, have wellness and safety in their homes. And in my own personal journey, I realized that I was spending all my time and energy and hours either working or worried about working and neglecting my health. So when I got back on track to become the person who does work out and, and takes care of herself in that way, I saw that what I was learning about my home environment, I could share with clients and with readers. So that's kind of how I connected those two. No, I love it. And you know what? It really equates to a happier and longer lifestyle, doesn't it? You know, it's a no-brainer of a subject. It's a very relevant subject for all designers listening into. Um, you know, when it comes to water, when it comes to, to adults, to children, how a kitchen and bath is viewed, how does it make you feel? So I've got some trick questions for you here, Jamie. <laughs> All right, <laughs> fire away. Okay, so tell me, what are the links between health and wellness and kitchen and bath design? What are those links? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because think about it. When people say, I'm going to get healthier, they usually say something like, I'm going to eat better, or I'm going to exercise more, or I'm going to quit smoking. You've probably heard those, right? Yep. So I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, I'm going to remodel my kitchen or bath. If you think about it, though, the kitchen is where you prepare your healthy meals. And the better it's designed and equipped and organized, the easier it is to work there and the more pleasant. When I've done wellness coaching with clients, they almost all had complaints about their kitchen. It's not a great place to work. I can't stand being in it. When I come home, there's clutter everywhere. And that has impacted their enjoyment and their willingness to create healthy meals at home. So if you think about it, your kitchen is your fueling station. And your bathroom, on the other hand, is your recovery zone. It's where you go to clean up after those long trail runs or mountain biking or whatever you're into. It's where you're going to go to relax afterward and clean up afterward. And what, you know, what equipment do you have in that space to make those easier and more pleasant? So that's certainly, you know, tied to wellness. I always recommend to people, whether it's a reader or a client, a handheld massaging shower head. And I tout the benefits of steam showers and bidet-style toilets. And chances are, in your practice, you're doing things like that as well. So you may not think of them as wellness-focused, and your clients may not be asking, but those are some of the benefits available to them. I love what you've said because it's true for everyone listening in. It's not only just diet. It's technology. It's like social interactions, as you said, within both of those environments. Materials, reducing clutter you know, ease of use, warm floors, warm toilets, seats, hand-free, um, you know, tapware and whatnot. All of that part of wellness, isn't it? Definitely. Now, I completely okay. agree. And I'm sure that our listeners have plenty of other examples from their own practice. Absolutely. So tell me, what are the professional and financial benefits of tapping into your local wellness markets? Well, there are some very, very tangible benefits, including the fact that people are willing to pay more for wellness-related products and services. Uh, this has been shown by Goldman Sachs. It's been shown by the Global Wellness Institute. Pretty much all the research that I've done in, in articles and, and books has shown that this is something people really value. So when you tie someone's home project to their wellness, 
you're positioning yourself in a way that's more valuable than just competing with others in the area on price and pictures. We've all been there. Now and now you're essentially shifting the conversation. So I would say, you know, that would be one of those financial benefits. Now on the professional and personal side, and this might be somewhat intangible, but you have the benefit of tying your own passion, whether it's CrossFit or cancer cures, to your career. And we've probably all had times like I did when you felt like your work was crowding out your life. And so when you can combine what you love doing off hours and what you love doing during your work hours, I think the returns are more than financial and they enhance your work-life balance. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, well said. So how do you choose the best segment of this vast potential market for your design practice? Because as we just discussed, it is a very, it is a very broad area. It is. And I'm really glad you asked that question because when I go out and I do my NKBA chapter presentations on this topic, it's one of the questions that comes up the most. And what I share is that you should always tie into a segment that you regularly enjoy in your free time. These are things that you are you know, absolutely involved with and it's something that you are a part of. And it should also be a popular fitness pursuit in your area or it can be a wellness cause that you're devoted to because not everybody is exercise oriented. But the key is authenticity. You want to be doing this ongoingly. You want to be competing if that's applicable. You know, for example, if you're a runner, doesn't mean you need to be doing, you know, a marathon, but if you're regularly engaged in 5Ks or half marathons and you know what's involved and you have a sense of what it's like for your clients to compete, you're going to have more authenticity. And you, if you're not involved in, you know, in anything along those lines, and not everyone is, you could be potentially serving in a leadership role in a health-related charity. Maybe you're on the board of your local American Cancer Society or Leukemia and Lymphoma Group or something along those lines. You want to be able to speak the language of that segment and be well-positioned and an active participant and you want to be able to relate to it on more than surface level. So those are, you know, that, that's the starting point. Now, the other piece is you need to choose something that has a local component. So if you're in Florida, for example, skiing might be your passion, but unless you have a serious piece of your business that serves a skiing community in another state, it's not going to be the ideal wellness segment for your market. Right. And then last, but most definitely not least, is the demographics of the segment need to make sense for your business. And its economics have to make sense for your life. So it's pretty easy to research demographics for any sport because they're all online and other companies are competing for advertising dollars in that space. So you could see the income level. You could see is this more male-oriented, female-oriented. Uh, all details along that line are pretty easily available. And if you're in the sport yourself, but we are you know, talking about fitness pursuits, you already have a good idea about who's participating and how much it costs to participate. You know, some sports like triathlon are more expensive than others. So does that fit your business as well as your own life? So those, those are my suggestions on choosing the, the best market for your, for your practice. Okay. Now, are there any potential pitfalls? And if there are, how do you avoid them? Well, there are always pitfalls everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Of course. 
beyond beyond choosing a segment that doesn't make sense for your life or your business, I would say the pitfalls would be competing with your clients. You want to be supportive of your goals, not competitive with them. And some of us who you know, are involved in you know, different activities do tend to be naturally competitive. So you know, keep an eye out for that. Now, if you're focused on a health-related cause, you know, you're involved with a charity or you've been a caretaker for a family member who's had a particular condition and you've got a lot of expertise on that, you need to stay in your own lane as a design professional and not be giving out healthcare advice. And where possible, you can partner with a client's healthcare provider so that the advice you're giving supports their care needs. For example, let's say you're, you're thinking that a steam shower would be great for a client's master suite. Their care provider should be brought into that conversation in case there are any risks to their health from steam or limits to how much they should be using steam. And the other thing is that you need to maintain absolute confidentiality about someone's health issues, of course. Absolutely. You're right. When you get into that medical field, it's, you, you can open up a can of worms. Let me say one thing too about steam. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, on, the, on, on, that, on that subject, you know, everybody drinks either bottled water or they want a water filtration system, right? And they're drinking out of their tap because they don't want the chlorine in their body. One thing a lot of people don't realize is that the largest organ on your body is your skin. And when you actually have a shower and, you know, like we all like to get in there and have that steam shower and it's nice and hot and warm and whatnot. If you don't have a whole house water filtration, chlorine, when it's heated up into a steam, is actually like a toxic gas. So I'm always with my clients saying, hey, you know what, if you can afford it, look at a whole house water filtration system because it's fantastic if you could just drink or do whatever out of any faucet in the house. And you can get them installed less than about seven or $800 and then it goes up from there. But it's interesting, so many elements from construction to design can all affect our health. And that's one thing a lot of people overlook is they have those hot showers and it's not the healthiest thing you can do. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have been advocating for whole house water filtration for a long time. I hadn't thought about the chlorine angle with steam showers, but I've always mentioned to people as well that you probably have filtration in your kitchen, but do you have it at your bathroom faucets where you brush your teeth and where you take your medicines and wash your face? So that's just more ammunition. So I'll make this the last question for you. How do you position yourself as a wellness design pro for local media? How, is, how do you do that? Well, Think about the fact that editors and TV producers are always looking for fresh takes on seasonal subjects. They've been writing summer stories for decades, many of them. What can you add that is new? Because they have to cover it, and you have expertise that you could tie into that. Uh, for example, let's say we're talking about healthy cooking for summer that you might pitch to a food editor or a health editor. Well, how can an induction cooktop help you beat the summer heat would be one example. So in your practice, you're getting ideas. You can pitch those to editors, bloggers, producers. You should be you know, reading local media, subscribe to your local newspaper, watch local TV shows, see when and where they include guests. Mm -hmm. Some broadcasts are just the news. Some have news as well as what we call features, where there's guests on interesting topics. 
So find out about when those are happening. And with LinkedIn and, and Google, it's easier today than ever to find out who an associate producer is and even what their emails are. So you can pitch them ideas. Now, That's if you have idea. writing talent, you could start a blog and send blog links to those individuals with story ideas showing your expertise. If you don't, you can pay a, a publicist or a freelance journalist to write for you. And if you think about, well, gee, how much does that cost? It might be less than your last paid advertisement. And you become part of the story and not just an ad to flip past. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I have a whole NKBA chapter presentation called The Wellness Market. And this is a big part of what we talk about in there because it's something that everyone is always looking for. How can I get coverage locally or nationally? I think there's a lot of great tips there. And I just think it's a really great topic. And, you know, I think all everyone listening in today, I think, it's this is a is a it's really a fantastic subject. But I think on a personal note, everyone's going to be really I think after this podcast, looking around their house, thinking about how happy they are, their lifestyle. They'll think about the water, and I think everyone's going to take it on a personal note and see how they can necessarily improve their own life. Another thing I was going to suggest to you too: Do you find this that as soon as somebody's having a baby, I find the first thing they do is they paint the room. They put new flooring in there. They generally have energy efficient windows and then they get the child and they throw that child into that room, close the door and there's ultimately a gas chamber because oh, the, yes. the volatile organic compounds leaching out of the paint, depending on the toxins coming up through the new floor coverings. And because you've got a sealed window, there's no natural uh, airflow and you've got all these toxins in that room that when that uh, poor little thing is going to be in its teenage years, it can have respiratory issues. Because I'm here in Los Angeles and it's frightening to say that the air quality is generally four times worse than what it is outside. So the healthier we have our environment, it's really important. And this also comes down to like the design of the space. Instead of having one window in a room, you have two. So you can just get that natural cross-flow ventilation. Uh, I think it's a, it's a fantastic subject. But that, that is so true, Carlin. Even more broadly, when someone is expecting a baby, they start to become focused not only on their own health and well-being, but on the health and well-being of their new family. So the more that we as design professionals can do to help support them in that, the better off everyone is. It's so true, because I think like as adults, we can deal and we think, okay, you know, we've got X amount of years to live, we're fine. But as soon as a child or the family comes into the mix, it's like we, I think people think differently. We have to make this house um, environmentally safe and comfortable and all the above. Now, I want to share with everybody to check out your website. That's jamiegold.net. That's J-A-M-I-E, gold, G-O-L-D, dot net. Check that out. And again, Jamie, I'm sure I'll be uh, rubbing shoulders with you at one of these future events. Thank you. I look forward to that. Okay, thank you so much. And folks, too, I want you to uh, check out our website as well, which is the nkba.org, just nkba.org. The uh, incredible staff back there at headquarters are always updating that site and some fantastic information on there. So that's all we have for you today. We have new episodes of KB Talks coming your way soon, so make sure you are subscribed and stay tuned. Now, please be sure to send your feedback to nkba at flyingcamel.com. And remember to take a moment and leave us a star rating 
or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening. And remember to get out there and design something great. Now stay tuned for a quick NKBA minute. The NKBA Specialty Badge Program offers members a new competitive edge. Certification has long been a cornerstone of the National Kitchen and Bath Association's mission, although the designations are mostly limited to designers. The new Specialty Badge Program now allows any NKBA member to broaden their knowledge and earn credentials in a variety of areas through online course materials and passing an online exam. NKBA Specialty Badges currently available include Cabinetry, Remodeling, living in place, sales and marketing, and floor plans and specifications. Take advantage of the NKBA's ongoing professional development opportunities and get the NKBA competitive edge. Visit nkba.org for more information.